On today's episode, Kyle Davidson and the Chicago Blackhawks are rumored to be testing the trade market for each and every player on their roster that's without a no-movement clause. I'll also be going over Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze's 2021-2022 season recap. And then to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week, will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, June 6th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds. Literally just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to go and leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting some feedback from my tremendous listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because each and every episode throughout the rest of the summer and into training camp this fall is going to have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Go and smash the like button down below for me as well and comment as to what grade you think Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze is deserving for his performance this season. And last, be sure to go and ring the bell. Go and turn on those push notifications. That way, you can be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. I wanted to first apologize real quick for not getting episodes out. The final two days of last week, I had a really bad stuffy nose. I could barely talk. My voice was raspy. Honestly, I had some COVID-like symptoms, but tested negative, fortunately. So I think I was kind of just battling a cold, but it certainly did not make my life very fun. And I feel like whenever the temperature starts to change. You know, we're starting to get consistently better weather here in the Chicagoland area. Whenever that happens, whenever weather's changing, my body never handles it well. So I apologize for not getting an episode out last week. You would, you guys would have heard me talking like this. I was so stuffed up. It, it wouldn't have sounded good. So I apologize, but glad that we're back kicking off the week with an episode here today. Start off your week on Monday. Uh, But real quick, before I get into the episode, folks, I got to remind you all that today's show is sponsored by Bet Online, which is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online, where the game begins. 
Okay, to open things up on the show here this morning, first, I wanted to talk about some of the latest Blackhawks news that's kind of circulating the hockey world right now, which uh, came from Elliot Friedman over the weekend when he stated that at the moment, the Chicago Blackhawks are testing the trade market for each and every player on their roster right now that's without a full no-movement clause in their contract. And of course, there's three players on the Blackhawks who have that, being Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Seth Jones. Aside from those three untouchables, the Blackhawks are listening to offers for everyone at this point. And yes, that does include superstar forward Alex Dabrinkit. But really, I don't think this news should come as much of a surprise to you fans because in my opinion, this is what GM Kyle Davidson should be doing with his team in the midst of a rebuild. Now, in Dabrinkit's case, I personally don't think the Blackhawks should trade him, and uh, I, I don't think they're being aggressive or, or they're trying to move him at this point. I don't think that's what Kyle is trying to accomplish here, but it's more so that if he's not gauging what other teams could potentially be giving up for some of the players on this roster, I don't think he'd be doing his job right. Like clearly what the Blackhawks have right now as is, isn't even close enough to competing for a playoff spot. And that's the ultimate goal. Regularly competing for a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs, regularly giving yourself an opportunity to have success come the most important time of the season. And the Blackhawks, what? They haven't done that since they got swept by the Nashville Predators way back in 2017. It's been forever since we've had a team good enough to even compete for a playoff spot. So clearly, what we have right now isn't working, and I think Kyle Davidson wouldn't be doing his job properly if he wasn't at least calling around and seeing what other teams would give up for some of their players. Again, I don't think they should be trying to trade Alex Dabrinkit, and I don't think that's what Kyle Davidson's doing. I don't think he's actively pursuing all the routes for him, but if the Blackhawks, if Davidson was offered a trade similar to what they got in return for Brandon Hagel, not in terms of the exact deal, but if they're given a, a great opportunity, simply a trade that Kyle Davidson can't say no to, I mean, that's at least something to consider. Like, the team's willing to throw two first-round picks and a top prospect for Alex to bring it. I think Kyle Davidson wouldn't be doing his job right if he didn't at least consider it, or if he wasn't pursuing all avenues possible. So to me, when I saw this clip from Elliot Friedman uploaded on Twitter over the weekend, I wasn't really surprised by it because, again, I think this is what the team should be doing. They should be listening to offers for everyone who's available at this point. And we know Kane, Taves, Seth Jones, they have to approve of a trade in order to get moved. And, you know, except for Taves, I don't see that being all that likely at this point. Now, if Dabrinkit gets moved, then we could see things open up for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. I think that's the real kicker in the Blackhawks' plans, right? Because we heard Patrick Kane say in his end-of-the-season presser, hey, I mean, if Alex Dabrinkit's here, we've obviously established some pretty good chemistry over the past couple of years. If he's around for this rebuild, it's probably going to be a little bit easier for me to sign on for it as well. So. If Dabrinkit stays, I think Patrick Kane likely is going to remain a member of the Chicago Blackhawks moving forward. But if he goes, then that gives Patrick Kane something to think about 
And also, that would give the Blackhawks an opportunity to completely tear it down and start over fresh. Now, I don't know if that's the best route to go, but if they trade to Brinkett, that's probably the way things are going. But again, Blackhawks fans, I wouldn't be too worried about this. I think it's, again, simply Kyle Davidson doing what he should be doing with his team in the midst of a rebuild and not even being close to competing for a Stanley Cup playoff position, uh, playoff spot at this point. Also, one thing I wanted to bring up, there have been some rumors swirling about Dylan Strom here as of late, folks, because apparently, according to Scott Powers and a couple of other sources close to the Blackhawks, it doesn't seem all that likely that he's going to be coming back next season, which certainly a little bit disappointing to me after how well he fared on the top line once he finally got an opportunity in the second half. Um, but if they're not going to be bringing him back, you might as well try and get something in return for him. And honestly, hearing this, I'm still a little, still left scratching my head wondering why Davidson wouldn't try to trade Strom at the deadline if this was the path they were going on. And I think the same can be said for Dominic Kubalik. Those two are probably in a pretty similar boat at this point. You know, if you weren't going to be bringing them back this offseason, why didn't we move them at the trade deadline when it was clearly a seller's market at that point? I don't know. But it seems like the Blackhawks are at least seeing what they could get from other teams. And certainly something would be better than nothing. I mean, last year, the Blackhawks let way too many players walk for Scott Free. David Camp, who went on to be a very valuable player for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. I know their year didn't end how they wanted it to, but Camp had a really good postseason and was a big part of their defensive success as a team. The Blackhawks let him walk for free. Pia Suter, I know he's not huge name or anything, but the Blackhawks could have gotten something, I feel like, in return for him. Instead, Stan Bowman let him walk for free. I really hope that's not a path that Kyle Davidson gets too comfortable with because you might as well get something for them. Don't let players walk for nothing. That's such a decrease in value to your organization. So this is the route they're going to go with Stroman Kubelik. Like I said, I'm still a little confused why they didn't do it at the deadline. Certainly something is better than nothing at all. So uh, don't be surprised if the rumors around the Blackhawks only start to pick up here in the next couple of weeks, um, because apparently general manager Kyle Davidson is already doing his due diligence and things could start to get a bit more real here, folks, with the meat of the offseason coming up in the next month or two. All right, there are some of the latest, up, latest updates on the Blackhawks offseason. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze's 2021-2022 season recap. But first, I need to talk to you all about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product, which is one scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery focus, and aging. And Athletic Greens was first created when the founder experienced a ton of gut issues themselves and ended up on a complicated supplement routine in order to recover. That used to cost them $100 per day, but now Athletic Greens has an optimal and affordable nutrition routine that costs you less than $3 per day, which is such a cheap way to invest in both your health and your body. And I'm not kidding, folks. I actually try and make sure I get my one scoop of AG1 every morning before I do the show. I just had it probably 30 minutes ago, and it really gives me that 
extra energy boost that I need to start my morning. It's basically like drinking a cup of coffee. You just feel ready to go. I feel energized, ready to do the show and put on a a fun entertainment piece for all of you out there. I really highly recommend AG1. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network right now. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Getting into segment two now today, it's time to get into Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze's 2021-2022 season recap segment. So obviously, Taze returned to the ice this year after missing all of last season due to chronic immune response syndrome, which, to be honest, I, I still don't even really know exactly what that is. And if I remember correctly, kind of just an umbrella term for they're not really sure what happened all they know is Taze's response it wasn't what it normally was throughout his career and he wasn't feeling like himself for quite a while so still not really sure what exactly caused him to miss last season but returning this year that was a big reason why I felt like uh, a lot of folks thought that the Blackhawks were going to make some noise in the Western Conference. Not only the additions of Seth Jones getting a number one defenseman and getting Marc-Andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights, but they were also getting their captain back. They were getting their leader, and he was coming off, prior to missing that full year due to the illness, he was coming off two of his better offensive seasons of his entire career. And while I don't think that anyone quite expected him to return to that type of player immediately, I also don't think anyone expected him to struggle as much as he did for the majority of the season because across the board Taze put up career lows all over the place this year 71 games he only scored 12 goals which included a 25 game goalless drought to open up the season those 12 goals are a career worst he also only had 25 assists which ties a career low but that previously came back in the lockout shortened 2012-2013 season when of course the Blackhawks went on to win their second Stanley Cup in four years so they only played 47 games that season so compared to 71 games obviously this is should be considered a career low for Jonathan Taze and then in terms of points uh 37 by far the lowest amount that he's tallied in his career again his previous career low was 48 happened in 2012-2013. Technically, he was still over a point per game that season, so no way around it. Taves did take a pretty significant step back in terms of his offensive game, but I will say in the second half, he was undoubtedly a lot better than he was at the beginning. He was starting to get more and more comfortable. I think he was catching up to the speed of the game, which is only getting faster and faster year by year, and to miss a full season, it was probably really tough for Jonathan Taze early on to keep up, but he started to get settled in, started to get more comfortable, and definitely found his game more and more in the final few months of the season. And honestly, I'm not really going to judge Taves too harshly for his lack of offense earlier on in the year because, again, I think given the circumstances, us Blackhawks fans probably shouldn't have had that lofty of expectations for Taze or to even think that he was going to come in and 
be close to the type of player that he was two years ago after all that he had been through, the amount of time that he spent off of the ice. Obviously, he wasn't able to keep up with the speed. His training was kind of difficult because he had days where he just woke up and wasn't feeling like himself, felt like he just wanted to stay in bed all day. Uh, So I just think given the circumstances, our expectations were probably a little bit too high for the captain this year. Um, But it certainly was still a little bit concerning to see him put up these type of lackluster numbers and also makes you wonder if he's ever going to be the game breaker that he once was for the Chicago Blackhawks. Another kind of concern for me about Taves' season was he only had seven power play points. And this is something that I talked about with Dylan Strome's season recap as well. By the way, Blackhawks fans, I've already done season recaps on Patrick Kane, Dylan Strome, Alex DeBrinkett, Seth Jones. If you haven't checked those out yet, once the show finishes up here in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so, definitely go and check those out to see what grades I felt those top players for the Blackhawks deserved for their performance this season. And also, while you got a quick second, I'm really interested to hear what grade you think Jonathan Taze earned for his efforts. Go and comment down below what grade you think I should be giving Jonathan Taze or what grade you would be giving Jonathan Taze for the type of year that he had. Um, But getting back to the power play struggles, like Dylan Strom, I just thought they both were too passive with the puck on their stick and their refusal to drive the puck to the net really hindered the Blackhawks power play overall. Because they were so one-dimensional. Everyone knew power play ran through Kane and Debrinka at the left dot, trying to play pitch and catch, setting each other up for one-timers. If Stroman Taves were aggressive with the puck down low and made defenders draw to them, that would make things so much easier for the top guns of the Blackhawks. So I think moving forward, both Taves and Strom, if he's still around, as I just talked about, doesn't seem all that likely, but uh, for Taves, I think in order to help out the Blackhawks man advantage as a whole, he's got to be more aggressive with the puck on his stick at the hash line. Go and drive it to the net, Johnny. That was a staple of your career early on. You loved stuffing the puck home down low and causing havoc in front of the net. I think the Blackhawks need to get back to doing that, back to the simple play. Good things happen when you throw the puck on net, and I think Jonathan Taze has kind of gotten away from that too much in the past couple of seasons, not only this year. Also. Another thing that kind of aided Taves, I think, to career low offensive numbers was he shot just 9.6%. And like Patrick Kane, Taves was 0.1% away from shooting a career low. So not only was he not generating the same amount of chances that we normally see, but he also wasn't converting on them at the same clip that we've seen throughout the course of his career. Through his first 14 NHL seasons, Taves' career shooting percentage is just below 14%. So he struggled a little bit in finding the back of the net. But that could be one reason to think better days are to come for him in the goal scoring department because he usually is is shooting right around that 14% mark in this year. Um, There's only been twice in his entire career that he's shot below 10%, and this just happened to be one of them. So there could be better days coming for Jonathan Taves in terms of goal scoring. I certainly hope so, because watching him only pot 12 goals in 71 games, again, including that 25-game goal is skid to open up the season, was very painful to watch. Taves also had uh, the average 17 minutes and 29 seconds of average time on ice, which was by far a career low in that department as well. He really had never been even close to below 19 minutes before, 
But I feel like with this now being Tazes, he's now 34 years old and he's, this is going to be his 15th NHL season coming up. Like he's got a lot of mileage on those tires. And I feel like if the offense doesn't ever quite get back to what it once was, I feel like this is probably the role that he's going to start taking on more and more. That second or third line center role where he'll probably average right around 17 to 18 minutes per night. I think that's just a little bit more realistic for Jonathan Tays at this stage of his career. And that's not to say that he can't be a help to some team because what I'm about to get into right now suggests that maybe the second or third line center role is more ideal for him where he's at in his career right now, because the top parts of Jonathan Taze's game this season all were on the defensive side of things. First at the faceoff dot, I mean, he was incredible. Taze didn't miss a beat at the dot. He won 59% of his draws, which was good for top 10 in the entire NHL. He didn't miss a beat there. He still remains one of the best hands down in the entire NHL. And I thought he also remained sturdy on the penalty kill and on the back check. And all in all, I do think he still has a ton to offer on the defensive side of the game and remains one of the more responsible two-way forwards in the NHL. So the offense may never be what it was, but you can bet that the captain is still, (coughs) excuse me, happens sometimes. Little drink of tea to clear things up. But you can bet that you can still count on Taves. Ooh, that one got me on the defensive side of things. And even though he put up career lows offensively, goals, assists, he tied a career high, but happened in the lockout year. It was a career low, I should say. He posted career lows all across the board. And despite that, you go and look at Taze's analytics, they were still pretty, pretty solid. He finished with a dead even. 50 Corsi 4 percentage. That was when his ice time was down, wasn't generating as many chances. He was shooting a career low. For him to still be at 50%, I think it kind of tells you how sturdy of a defensive game that he can still provide. And he was also on the ice for 61 goals for to 73 against. Not the greatest, but you got to consider that Blackhawks used him in more of a defensive role than ever. Jonathan Taze. of his face-off starts this year came in the defensive zone. That's by far a career high. He'd never even been over 50% in his career. So I think this is just kind of the type of player that Jonathan Taves is now, a defensive-minded second or third-line center. And, you know, we'll see if he can turn it around offensively. But even if he doesn't, like, I, I really do still believe that he can hold value to a team if he's used properly. And I don't know if that's going to be with the Blackhawks or not, but we're going to have to wait and see. But I still do think Jonathan Taves has more to offer than people are giving him credit for. I think people think he's washed up and should consider retirement. And I think that's just not fair considering all that he had to overcome in kind of a a short amount of time. Like, I don't want to say a year is a short amount of time, but he was back on the ice, you know, pretty quickly in game action. and. Maybe he wasn't completely 100% ready. I don't know. But that, to me, is what makes Jonathan Taze's season so hard to gauge. Like, I don't, I don't think it's truly fair to critique him on those first 40 or 50 games when he was kind of just getting him back into the swing of things, you know? And who am I to say that he can't become a good offensive player once again? I don't know that to be true or not. So, all in all, 
it's really tough to grade Jonathan Taze's season, but I'm going to give him a flat C for his performance. Like I said, I'm not going to judge him too hard for the lack of offense, and he was clearly getting better as the year progressed, but it was still difficult to see him put up those types of numbers. The defense, though, they were right where you would want them to be. He was as reliable as ever in that department as always, and it's just hard to gauge what Jonathan Taze is going to be able to do in the future. So I think this year was kind of just a a trial run, and I don't think you should critique him too much because the Blackhawks weren't good. He certainly wasn't in game shape early on in the year, and uh, he also dealt with a concussion in the midst of the season as well. All in all, it was just tough to gauge in my opinion, so that's why I'm going to give Jonathan Taze a flat C for his performance this season, and I'm not going to grade him too harshly, even though this was undoubtedly the worst year of his NHL career. All right, there is Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze's 2021-2022 season recap segment. Coming up in just a minute, I still got to get into our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, folks, as baseball season is finally upon us. It's about to take over for the summer, and Bet Online has way more odds and info from game scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired manager is going to land or who the next fired manager is going to be. Regardless of what you want to bet on, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. It's not just baseball. From the NBA and NHL playoffs, esports, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now today, as always, to start off the week, it's time for our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from OG Fuelbone 12 on Twitter, who asked, do you think Alex Vlasic has top four potential with the Blackhawks? It's a good question. It's tough to say so early in his career because we only got a short little glimpse at Vlasic this season. Um, But I do. I really do. And Vlasic's been someone I've been high on ever since the Hawks drafted him in the second round of the 2019 NHL draft. I loved his size, his long reach, and for being so big, he has pretty good skating ability. And at that time, going back to 2019, that's kind of when Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks were drafting those undersized defensemen regularly. Adam Boquist, Ian Mitchell, Nicholas Bodan, Henry Yokiharu. So I was really preaching for them to take one of the bigger body defensemen who can kind of provide something that they don't have a whole lot of in the system. That's exactly what they did with Alex Vlasic. He stepped onto the scene and made that side of his game known. I thought he handled it really well for being his first bit of NHL action immediately after uh, finishing up his junior season with Boston University. And it's kind of funny because I remember when Vlasic was still there, um, 
or when he was first there, when he first joined down with the Blackhawks, Derek King was asked if he's going to play, and he was like, no, he's not right. It was like, okay, just kind of throwing the guy under the bus there. Why is he even, why is he even around if he's not ready to play? Uh, and then he kind of proved everyone wrong. You know, there were people saying they were worried that Vlasic was going to hurt his development if they rushed him on too fast. Like, look, the kid knows that he just came out of college. At the time, he was only 20 years old. By the way, happy belated 21st birthday to Alex Vlasic. Turned 21 yesterday. I bet he's not feeling all that good right now while I'm recording this on Monday morning. Um, but it, it was kind of, I just didn't understand that. I didn't understand how people thought he was going to hurt his development so much by playing when he wasn't 100% ready. Like, look, the kid knows the position he's in. He knows the Blackhawks are nowhere near a playoff spot. Why not give him an opportunity to at least understand what it takes to be successful at the highest level the game has to offer? And what did he do? They finally gave him that opportunity, and he absolutely thrived. And it was magnificent to see. And, you know, it's it's too early to say for sure if he's going to be a top four defenseman, but I personally do think he has that type of potential. Like, outside of Ian Mitchell, spoiler alert, Alex Vlasic might be the next highest defenseman that I have in my Blackhawks prospect rankings. I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Really sturdy defensively. You know, he had his moments where he, he was guilty of some turnovers that led to the puck ending up in the back of his net, but that's the process that a young kid has to go through in order to learn what it takes to be good at the end, be good in the NHL. And, you know, I thought every time he had one of those lapses, I thought he responded really well. And I loved, you know, how he handled himself. He seemed he was very seemed like he was very poised. You know, he used his size to his advantage, used his long reach to his advantage, wasn't playing scared or anything. So I was really thrilled with what I saw out of Alex Vlasic. I'm so glad that Derek King did ultimately end up giving him that opportunity at the end of the year. So I'm going to say, yes, I do think Alex Vlasic has top four potential, probably not a top pairing guy, but who knows? That's what his cousin Mark Edward was for San Jose for a long, long time. And if Alex, you know, is even a little bit of what Mark Edward was in his heyday. I mean, I'm going to be absolutely thrilled. So uh, I don't want to put pressure on Alex Vlasic or anything at, when he's so young still, but I really do think he has top four potential, and I'm really excited to see how he's going to, to develop over the next couple of years. The second question I want to answer comes from Connor Elthel. Elthel? Elthel? Hope I'm not botching that name, Connor. I apologize. Connor emailed in the podcast over the weekend, which I greatly appreciate. Thank you for reaching out, Connor. Uh, but he asked over the weekend, who is the dark horse prospect in the Blackhawks pipeline? Someone that maybe isn't getting a ton of attention, but could be a solid player down the road. Ooh, it's a good question. Um, I feel like could be a couple of guys. I feel like Jakob Galvis kind of made himself known and really became a Blackhawks fan favorite kind of immediately. A lot of folks loved what they saw out of Galvis in his short little NHL stint that he had in January. Um, I feel like he's someone who could potentially be a solid player one day. Like he doesn't do, he, there isn't anything about his game that absolutely stands out, but he's really well-rounded in all areas. He's got a good transition game, responsible in the defensive zone. He's got some speed. He shuts down opponents well when they're trying to enter the D zone. I like Galvis's game a lot, and I know he is a little bit more popular now than he was a year ago, but I feel like he's someone who can kind of be in this category who 
does have potential to be a really solid player one day down the road for the Blackhawks. Um, who else could I think of off the top of my head here? Isaac Phillips, I think, could be in that boat as well, especially for being a fifth-round pick. Made his NHL debut early on in the year when the Blackhawks had some injuries on the back end. I feel like Phillips also could be in that category. Not flashy whatsoever, but kind of a rock defensively and takes pride in that side of the game. So Isaac Phillips and Jakob Galvis are two guys who I think could really fit in that category. Trying to think who else I could have offensively. Um, hmm. Man, maybe in the forward group, Blackhawks forward pipelines is, is not very deep, to say the least. Michael Tepley. Michael Tepley, I think, is someone who could fit this group as well, because after an atrocious start to the year down in Rockford, I think he went pointless in his first 15 games. He ultimately ended up getting a shot on the top line with Lucas Reichel and Andre Altibarmaki and later on in the year, and those three absolutely thrive together. And Tepley also has been someone I've been high on since the Blackhawks selected him in the fourth round a few years back. I think he's got a really underrated offensive game. I think Michael Tepley might be the most under, I don't want to say underappreciated, but maybe the most under the radar forward prospect the Blackhawks have in their system right now. I think he could be a good middle six piece one day down the road, and he really isn't garnering all that much attention with Lucas Reichel undoubtedly the top prospect in the Blackhawks pipelines coming on the same line. So if I had to list three names for you, Connor, here, um, I would have to say it would be Jakob Galvis, Isaac Phillips, and Michael Tepley as three players who maybe aren't getting a ton of attention but could end up being solid players for the Blackhawks one day in the future. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, June 6th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts and go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast to get all the latest news, updates, and info from the four teams still alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's free and available on all platforms. So be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman 2 or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.